you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O. TIKA.com. David. Football. Football David. The Dave Damashek Football Program. Available on iTunes and at DaveDamashek.nfl.com. Now here's your host, Dave Damashek. Hi and hello, football fans. It's your old pal Dave, Dave Damashek. What's going down? I hope all's well wherever you are. Welcome to the Dave Damashek football program, available as always on iTunes, Stitcher, and NFL.com slash Shaq. S-H-E-K, Shaq, Shaq, Shaq. Can you believe that there's always football to talk about? You know me, black tie behind the glass. I'm down to talk about any sport. I'm in, you know, my passion is talking about the greatest game of all, the game called life. But you know what? Football keeps giving us stuff to kibitz about, so, so so we'll do that today, and maybe we'll work in some NBA as well. And uh, work in some NBA. Yeah, well, right. we'll talk, but we're going to talk about the uh, the former subject, NFL football, with among others, David Garrard, former QB of the Jacksonville Jaguars, spent some time in Miami. Maybe we'll get his thoughts on hard knocks and uh, finished up with the Jets, although I don't remember him taking any snaps. Of course, the point is Jacksonville Jaguars is uh, the team with whom we associate him, so we'll look forward to him paying us a visit in 66. In the meantime, we've got two other fellas seated to my left here. First of all, a man who we've not seen around these parts in, what, six, eight weeks now? You know him from NFL Fantasy Live and beyond. It's Marcus Grant. What's the poop, fella? I'm good, Dave. I, I think the last time I was here was Ike Taylor's retirement day. Is that right? I wow. believe that was the last day I was in here. Uh, which was a, it's a, it was a, I know it was a joyous day for you. It was a uh, kind of a joyous day for Ike. Well, that makes it sound bad. I wasn't happy that Ike's career no, was I mean, over. Not that it was over, but so you were celebrating. Celebrating. Steelers his... are going to be way better now. <laughs> you were celebrating his career. That yeah, was, uh, right. was. It was. It was a good day. It was. It was. Uh, it was a great day for us. That uh, on the day of his retirement, mm-hmm. he he saw fit to spend some of it with us, and I saw that you spent uh, Memorial Day weekend in Baltimore. You went to Camden Yards. You do this at, you, you're on an annual baseball park tour, eh? Yeah, some friends and I it's our, our mini college reunion. Every year we get together, go somewhere new. This year happened to be Baltimore. 
Uh, great it, tradition. It, it's a great tradition, and, and, and it's a fine town. I'd never been to Baltimore before, but uh, it was a fine town, and, and they, the folks there treated us very well. It was, it was a good time. Um, you know, it's a good thing to do is to – this is a good uh, a, a pro tip for all the kids out there. If you're just getting out of college and you feel like, how do we set annual appointments? What you have to do is you choose the weekend that it happens, and then no one has any excuse not to be there. Right. You know, like, well, you know it's Memorial Day weekend. My chums and I had Sweet 16 weekend, a, a trip to Vegas annually that we kept up for – 18 years or so, wow. and now with kids and everything, it's falling apart. Okay. But it did sustain itself because you knew. It's not, not well, I didn't know when you were talking. Well, you, know, <laughs> you know, every year, same weekend. So uh, so that's a pretty cool trip that you have there. Also, making his virgin appearance in Studio 66. It's nice. You know him from the NFL. <laughs> News updates is where you see him primarily around these parts. He's worth following on Twitter, too. He's an enjoyable follow. He'll tell us what his, uh, what his handle is here in just a second. Like I say, you see him on the TV telling you all that's going on in the NFL. It's Patrick Claybon. What's the poop with you, fella? Just um, another day, another news day in the NFL. Ryan Clady uh-huh. out for the season today. So that's, that's the problem with, with OTAs. The, the only news that we have. Is like bad news. Well, I know, and the Adrian Peterson stuff. But before we uh, before we get too far along here, I have run this around the. I, I do this on both sides, so I, I don't think I can be charged with anything. Mm-hmm. I like to ask, as anybody who's listened to this show, I like to ask NFL players who the most handsome player on their team <laughs> is, who the most handsome quarterback is, and everything else. Um, I, I I know have, where this is going. I've asked a lot of the women <laughs> around the NFL media, who's the most handsome guy? You know who I always tell them it is? Patrick Claybon. That's right. Wow. Dave some agree. Some agree. Some don't. I'm, I'm affected by that. Okay. <laughs> really? This, this, this is really big for me mm-hmm. to, to hear well, you say that. What is is, you know? And I, I, you know, I shoot from the hip. <laughs> you know, that's the cardinal rule here on, uh, on the DDFP. No jive. And so How often does that conversation here. happen? Is, is this like a four or five times a day? <laughs> I don't know. Listen, it was so a mix of kind of romantic yeah. business, <laughs> awkwardness. Oh, that's when I fell in love with Eric Decker in a, uh, in a carriage ride around Central Park. I remember Park. that. That yeah. was that was that was quite romantic. Well, it was. Um, so yeah, Ryan Clady's out. What I mean, this is this is one of those things. You know, you're we're, we're barely in the summertime, and this is certainly you would think going to impact the Denver Broncos of 2015. I mean, keep in mind, I'm not uh, breaking any news here. Peyton ain't exactly mobile. So the quality of his offensive line is more important than it is, say, for the Seattle Seahawks or the Packers or the Steelers, guys who have those QBs that can still thrive without the, the great O-line. What do you, how bad is this, uh, Marcus Graham? Uh, I mean, it is a big deal. You know, you lose a guy like Clady, who certainly you know, early in his career was, was one of the, the top tackles around, but – I think the one thing that that will help Peyton is the fact that he is such a smart quarterback, and I think the you know the comparison I've seen, uh, I, I believe it was John Madden who who made a George Blanda comparison, basically yes. saying that you know, Blanda later in his career didn't have the arm strength, but he learned to get rid of the ball quicker, and I think that's something that Peyton will learn how to do. So even if the the pass protection isn't quite there, I think Peyton will figure out how to deliver the ball quickly so the pass rush isn't quite an issue. Claybon, how say you? Are you buying Peyton at this stage? I think they have to have everything in pristine condition on the offensive side for him to to really soar in, in this coming season. Well, from, from everything that I've seen, if Peyton is healthy, he's going to play pretty well. 
and the the guys that are around Peyton, he's he's able to lift some of them up. They, they've they've lost Clady before, to, for for a season long injury two years ago, and they go to the Super Bowl. And, and so it's not not to diminish losing your left tackle because now of course Peyton and Eli are both having to deal with that right before the season starts. Well, not right before the season starts, but mm-hmm. definitely in a time where you can't just go and find somebody. It's not as easy to just go get a left tackle that's going to sit there and, and play every single one of your games. But I think if Peyton, Peyton's healthy, the Broncos' offense is going to be good. And if he's not, then then they're not. I, you know, it is what's really going to be an interesting thing that we won't really know until September and beyond is, you know, Kubiak, last we saw him, he's the OC in Baltimore, and he really turns him into a power-style offense, pounding the ball. You know, you lose your left tackle. That's a big That's a big loss also for them trying to build on the running game. That was really the strength of the offense in, you know, December and into January for them. So that's a, that's a big loss there. But speaking of running the ball, what about this Adrian Peterson noise? I don't know what to make of it from the outside. And, and you know, Claybon, I'll go to you because you're covering all the details all the time. And, you know, somebody like me, I recklessly speculate about stuff. But, you know, to me, what is going on here, Adrian Peterson? Do you know what the last year held for you? You're not this, – this thing – you're not in a position of strength to negotiate after what you went through – and by the way, if you just show up, you make twelve million dollars. Who do you think you're snowing, fella? Well, the problem with Adrian is he's always been Adrian Peterson. That's <laughs> so, right. And so for that's, too long, he probably is, can't accept that. You know, people are knocking him a little bit. And and the perception, the way he's perceived, is obviously changed. And so that's he goes to Twitter today, and, and maybe Adrian is isn't the best at eloquently putting out there what his position is, other than I'm not happy. Yeah, and that's and that's really what we got from this stream of what was it six seven tweets about the way that contracts work in the NFL and the way that players are subjected to what the ownership wants is that you know Adrian would like for it to be a different way, and that's really that's really all we can get. I really feel like his agent should treat him like a a petulant teenager and take away his phone and not let him tweet things. I mean, because didn't he do this before? Like last year when everything was kind of getting a little bit hairy for him. I think he went, he, he jumped on Twitter and, and kind of started to defend himself, and it didn't really go well. Like at some point, they should just tell him, just just don't tweet. Ben's been, I like Ben's talk- been losing clients, though. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, I, you know, I like talking about football. I don't like talking about the contracts and what the numbers are and the cap and all that jazz. But it is a fascinating human part of, of things that these agents can really – destroy things or not get in the way. In the, I mean, I don't know if it's Adrian Peterson or if he's being mismanaged here, but these, uh, they're, it seems like they've been throwing haymakers for months now. Like, well, we aren't going to play for the Vikings, so you better trade us. Like, hey, fella, we got you on a contract. <laughs> <laughs> and Mike Zimmer said that earlier this week. Well, then don't play. Either you play for us or, or you're not going to play in 2015. And, yeah, it's it's strange that, you know, I always think about, I think the 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 greatest example that uh, off the top of my head is Maverick Carter and LeBron James. And now LeBron is in a great spot. He's, you know, the prodigal son in Cleveland and everything. And then he wins those titles, obviously, in Miami. But, you know, what could have been one of the coolest moves for for the proletariat, for the working man, could have been when he, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh decided to join forces in Miami. Remember, when that was going down, it was sort of like, wait – LeBron may or may not remember the rumors about it. it was like LeBron might be talking to this guy. He might be talking to that guy. And they're trying to, to do things uh, behind the scenes. And then they announce, wow, three of them are all going to Miami. This is going to be a super team. 
And they did it without the agents. They, I mean, they did it without, you know, GMs and owners and everything else. It was the working class. It was the proletariat striking a blow for the, the against the bourgeoisie. I love that you have somehow compared three multimillionaires. That's right, I did. In that climate, that's what it is. You know, <laughs> Rasputin out there setting up. <laughs> but instead, but it, that's right. But but instead. Maverick Carter blew it by having LeBron go out and do like, I'm taking my talents to South Beach. And then the next day with the nonsense, with the not five, not uh, not 10, I'm going to win 27 titles or whatever. <laughs> All that stuff. If they would have spun that better, LeBron would have been a hero for going to Miami and they blew it. But now everything's worked out. But if you remember that first year or so, it was LeBron rough. was really a villain. Yeah. So, so what you're saying, Dave, is as an agent, you can't make anything that much better but you really have an opportunity to screw it. It sure seems that way to me. And, I I mean, again, I don't know if this is Adrian Peterson or his representation, but they really see this is a historically awful job they're doing. I think think in the end, I think he's going to play. I think think somebody's going to sit him down, and if it's not his agent, it's going to be a family member or a friend and say, like, look – you don't really have any options. You can't afford to sit out another full season. I, I think he's going to play. Maybe I, maybe this is the fantasy guy in me talking because, you know, if he just finally just decides he's going to come in and play 16 games, he's probably the number one overall fantasy pick. But I, I think he will suit up for the Vikings this year. At some point when you don't have an option, is complaining about not having an option your only real option? <laughs> I, I, I think that, I think that's where we are. Stomp he, your feet, he, right? He's saying that this is this is all I can do: the, making noise, moving my arms around, having been send statements, making you know passive aggressive comments on Twitter. That that's as much as that's that's his only option. Well, <laughs> I, I did learn that he has uh, the one thing I did learn from those tweets. He's he's bad with punctuation. Boy, he really likes the apostrophe a lot. I don't. I, he really seems keen on using it, even when it's not needed. You know, as a guy who overuses commas, I can, yeah. I can, I can understand. I am firmly planted <laughs> in my glass house. <laughs> um, but by the way, that you was know, the guy that uses too many exclamation points, though. Who is a guy that uses too many exclamation points? That's a weird one. You know, Adrian Peterson. No, I'm just just, just in general. Just oh, grown men, yeah. grown men should be re- should use exclamation points sparingly, mm-hmm. and should ne- I hate to take a hard line on this, but should never ever use emojis. Never ever. No, that's come no, on. That's not true. Sh- I think I think I think you're you're you black run, tie. Please, it's a bridge true. too far, Dave. <laughs> that, 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 it's a bridge too far. Not if you're a grown this is man. Dave showing that's, his age. No, no, no. That's that's. I, I think at a, at a certain point though, because sometimes anger gets perceived on Twitter. And you have to throw in something to say, like, hey, I'm not angry. Like, I'm actually having a good time with this conversation. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe, but I don't know. And I'll tell you this. Shame the devil if you LOL anything. Don't LOL. Come on. Be better than that. Can I LMAO? No. Raffle? Nope. Raffle copter? I am putting my foot down. I do agree. No man should use OMG too much, though. I you know, believe me, I don't use OMG either. I what am I? I, I? Yes, I'm a grown man. I don't use LOL. I don't know. I think you've seen me. Although the other day I you did seen type me in the hallways, you've been like, oh, MG. You know, like you've, uh, you know, I think. <laughs> don't be a stinker, you. There's <laughs> the rim shot. Uh, but what about the Vikings? That you know, you 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 bring that up. It's not just a fantasy thing. The the real football fate of the Minnesota Vikings 2015 looks potentially rosy as far as I'm concerned. I mean, the the Packers are in the division. The Lions were good last year, but you remove Indomitian Sue, so that feels a little bit, you know, up in the air. I think there's a chance for the Vikings. And, you know, you talk about the best teams in the NFC, 
being those Packers and the Seahawks are going to be good, of course. And the NFC East is a fascinating quartet of teams. But really, there's room for the Vikings, for a 10-6 and team like the Vikings to get into the postseason this year. You drop Adrian Peterson around the playmakers they have and Mike Zimmer's defense, I, mean, I think this could be a good team, right? Yeah, when, especially when you compare it to the offseason problems that other teams are having. Yeah. As losing left tackles. I mean, if their biggest issue is that Adrian's upset – then how big is that issue? Yeah, ultimately, I, I'm with. Mar- I think he is ultimately just going to show up. What I think I would, he will. I think he'll show. Up. Although what I would, and he's also, by the way, thirty. Right. What who's I would get a love- mortgage anything to get a thirty year old guy who's barely played. Well, what I would love, years. I would love for somehow the Vikings. You know, there was always that rumor that they may trade him to the Cowboys or he wants to go play in Dallas. I would love for the Vikings to pull kind of a reverse Herschel Walker ah. and send him to Dallas and get all these draft picks and turn themselves into a juggernaut at the Cowboys' expense. I think that'd be hilarious. Wow, I like that. That's a fun <laughs> idea. Yes, und- I like I like those kind of reckonings right. when they happen a generation later. Yeah, let's see if we can make that happen. The Cowboys were once on um, uh, hard knocks, and it was really – Great stuff. Who was their coach that year? David, uh, I can't think. Dave Campo? Dave Campo. Dave Campo. (laughs) How was Dave Campo the coach of not just a professional sports team, not just an NFL team, but America's team? So the only thing I know about Dave (laughs) Campo, I mean, besides that he coached the the Dallas Cowboys, is that I guess he is an alumnus of Central Connecticut State who also boasts among their their (laughs) roster of alumni one Michael Fabiano. Oh. oh, yeah. <laughs> on that. Take Who is that, that take, race? For, take that for what it's worth. Wasn't, wasn't, Zimmer, <laughs> wasn't Zimmer on that Campo staff? He was. You're right about that. Yeah, Zimmer. That was, you know, I know from at least multiple hard knocks. That's really when you start to get exposed to Zimmer or anyone else is you watch them. And really, and Zimmer might have been on three of them because, you know, there are two Bengals editions mm-hmm. and that Cowboys team. Yeah, he was a, a yeah, he was the D.C. There, I think he was the the defensive coordinator at the mm-hmm. time, um, but yeah, you always would say, why isn't that guy a, a head coach? And it was very, and you never got a satisfying answer. And now it looks like uh, like he's starting to round into shape. Either way, Hard Knocks is now not the Dallas Cowboys; it's instead the Houston Texans. Now, I've been saying it for some time now, so tune in, everybody, jump on the bandwagon. You'll see him this uh, August on Hard Knocks. Your 2015 AFC South champions, the Houston Texans. There it is. How say you? Uh, they need a quarterback. I mean, they've got they to have fi- it. They've got to figure out their quarterback. I know you are. You're, you're big on the sick. Ryan Mallet, though, aren't you? Or, or, or That's you, right. You're the you're the Ryan Mallet guy. You know why, don't you? Why is that? Because he was a he was SEC stud. He was a, the, the he's six foot six. He's got a cannon for an arm. I mean, like Heath Schuler was an SEC stud. Danny Werfel was an SEC stud. I mean, if that's what we're going, AJ McCarron was an SEC you didn't let stud. Me, uh, you know, listen. I let me. T- I, I I didn't finish. He has a cannon <laughs> for an arm, unlike those guys you just you just mentioned. But high pedigree, of course, was a first round talent but behaved naughtily off the field and so got the red marks there, and that knocked him down to the third round. But over those years, over the ensuing years, he hasn't been just, uh, you know, meandering in the NFL on some bum team. He's been learning at the knee initially from Bill O'Brien. No, Bill O'Brien was Uh, his original. That's true. Bill O'Brien is there now. He's down in Tech in uh, in Houston. That is a good sign to me that Bill O'Brien, you know, sort of like when Matt Leinart has been available, the fact that they don't that that Pete Carroll 
never went and got Matt Leinart mm-hmm. is the biggest red flag there is. Wait, your college coach, or you have a you have an opening, but you're not jumping <laughs> on him. Something's wrong with that player on the NFL level. Set, the, the opposite goes for Ryan Mallett. If he were such a bad, if he were such a broken case, had no chance, then Bill O'Brien wouldn't go out of his way to get this guy from Belichick. She's like, we got an audience. So heads up. Oh. <laughs> It's the world famous Daniel Jeremiah. Whoa! I uh, I also do a little tour guide work on the side. <laughs> like Multi talented. We've got a uh, we've got the Indian a lot of the Indianapolis Colts personnel department came over here for a little tour of the network. Nice. Ah, cool. And I Welcome wanted to show them, I wanted to show them the most professional podcast we have. But you came on the wrong day. But, but I but found we, out that you were here. Yeah, so yeah, we yeah. Just decided <laughs> to look, at him, look at him throwing the zingers around. <laughs> Ain't he something, yeah, everybody? Big big uh, a lot of your fans out here. Daniel. Thanks, fellas. Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> there he is. Nice to see you, though. Um, all right. As I was saying, Mallet learns from Bill O'Brien, and then Bill O'Brien leaves for Penn State, but Tom Brady stays. You know, if there's something to be – if Aaron Rodgers learned anything from Brett Favre, the gunslinger, certainly Ryan Mallet would learn something from the studious, professional, uber-professional – I'm not – you know – well, all right, maybe he learned how to inflate and deflate things. But you know what I'm saying. <laughs> He's a classy fellow, that Tom Brady. And so Ryan Mallett surely was imbued with some of those characteristics, yeah. and now he'll take them down. And the offense is good. It's a loaded offense. He, he absorbed the Patriot way. Right. He, he goes down. He, he has a chance to hand area and falls for the football. He, he stays healthy. He's going to beat Brian Hoyer, right? That's, that's no question to you, Dave. Well, I mean, if they do go Hoyer, I the, that I, it does uh, that that to me is the interesting decision. Where I say 2014 will go down as the year where we learned what you get when you have low expectations of your team by starting. You you put a a ceiling on where your team's going when you say we're rolling with Brian Hoyer or Josh McCown or a guy like that, or Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah, you might not be a complete embarrassment, but your ceiling is only so high because that's how far their talent can take you. I say Bill O'Brien realizes that he is going to roll the dice here. I mean, he's got two young, big receivers now to to throw the ball to as well. I, I would say that. I, I do like what they have, at least around the quarterback position. I mean, Arian Foster, certainly if he can stay healthy, he's one of the top backs in the NFL. DeAndre Hopkins showed last year that he's ready to step out and do big things. He really took over for yep. Andre Johnson in that offense. And I love Jalen Strong. I mean, I know he's kind of been nicked up so far in OTAs, and they've been worried about his conditioning, but just what I saw of him at Arizona State. I love what he can do, and I thought it was a great pick for them. And of course, I mean, defensively with J.J. Watt, we'll see if, if Jadavian Clowney can come back, but now they've got Vince Wilfork in the middle. There's a lot to like about that defense this year. Um, yeah, and I, I, Arian Foster, I was talking to some fellas in the newsroom yesterday. Is this right? Arian Foster is maybe the most under um, appreciated running back in the NFL. He's close. Yeah, if you, Because if, be. if I say Name the four or five best running backs in the league. I bet you most people don't mention Arian Foster. But uh, when he's right, he, he certainly his number. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it's just anybody. that he's been so banged up over the course of his career, and he's missed some time. I mean, uh, I would put Jamal Charles in that, that category as well, because it, I, sometimes I think yeah, that, that he, yeah, you're sometimes right. Sometimes I think Andy Reid forgets that Jamal Charles is on his team. Hmm. Um, you know, you get at least two press conferences every year where Andy Reid says, yeah, maybe, maybe we should have given it to Jamal some more. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, but I think that's Aaron not Foster's as bad. Yeah. NBA coaches do this a lot too. Where they don't realize after the game is over, this is not an appropriate time to say like it. Just seemed like the other team wanted it more than you know that. Yeah, <laughs> they, they just outworked us. They outhustled us. Like, well, who's that on? I'm not, <laughs> I don't. I don't know who. If only you were in a position to control such, <laughs> or, to, or to provide proper encouragement to out hustle whoever you're playing. Like the stat sheet is handed to them and it comes yeah. to them as a complete surprise. <laughs> it's like, oh wow! Yeah, we really got out rebound tonight. Ball at all, man. <laughs> um, so hard knocks with these Texans. It makes me think of this. What would be the team? Well, first of all, if you had to, if you could pick any of the 32 current teams. Which would be your favorite one to watch? Eagles. Eagles. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, that is a really yeah. good one. Just and and maybe like we could have a have a crew hanging out with LaShawn and watching his reaction to everything <laughs> that goes on in Philadelphia. Oh, I didn't think about that. That's, that's pretty good. Do like I, a do like Talking Dead style show with like LaShawn oh, McCoy. Yeah. yeah. I'd watch, <laughs> I'd watch <laughs> for two hours. He's the host. Oh yeah. I, you know, I I see uh, my answer what is the Patriots. Be only just to see what happens there. I want to. I want to see what magic is is happening behind those walls. It is tough to figure. Wouldn't you love that? I, I forget the training camp. Actually, I would just like to see what's gone on there since the Super Bowl. What is Bill Belichick thinking? He so this year he's raising the standard for himself. We're going to see if we can win the Super Bowl without any defensive back. <laughs> <laughs> Try that on for size NFL. I've reinvented the game again. That's probably what he's gonna do. I would I would say yeah, I'd say the Redskins. Um, you know, you've got Gruden there, you've got the ongoing RG three stuff. Oh, that's a fun one, yeah. Um, you know, you got Dan Snyder, you know, putting his fingers in the pot every so often. I think that would be a fun one to watch. Oh, Jay Gruden and well, I mean, I've made it clear my feelings that I don't think Jay Gruden is capable of being an NFL head coach. I was going to be a winner. Is that, well, I can be a head coach. A successful one is another matter. In the same way I enjoyed, I'll leave it at this, in the same way I enjoyed watching Dave Campo try to be an NFL head coach, <laughs> it would be fun to watch Jay Gruden do the same thing. It would be like a reboot a of that Cowboys uh, <laughs> version of Hard Knocks. I don't know that anyone will ever beat Mike Smith of the Falcons coming in and on the first <laughs> speech of training camp and talking and trying to, and desperately to seem tough by using uh, four-letter words, mm-hmm. but feeling like uh, like uh, an uncle who isn't exactly comfortable with it, you know? <laughs> you ever see that, like, bachelor party kind of vibe where, like, a relative shows up and he's trying to hang with the younger kids, so he swears, but it only makes him stand out more like a sort of... I'm like, You're spot you, don't, you don't say those words very often, do you? You know? <laughs> it's that kind of feeling. But Mike Smith, to really uh, hammer it home, was wearing Tevas. Yes, while he was doing it. I believe there was a Twitter account called Mike Smith's Tevas there, there for a little while. There yeah, absolutely was. Oh, that, yeah, those Tevas appeared multiple times on last year's uh, Sheck reports. Um, so yeah, that the those would be great on hard knocks. <laughs> What's that? See, also be great on hard knocks because yeah, yeah. Well, personality. The coaches yeah. would be fun. That's what they do. They spend a lot of time with the coaches, and that's. I mean, if that's the standard, yeah. the other choice is the Arizona Cardinals. Bruce oh, Arians is Bruce Arians. Bruce, yeah. And Just, I say it to all those guys: the defensive players, not as much now that Darnell Dockett is gone, but still, that that unit is the most enjoyable yeah. collectively. In the NFL, Calais Campbell's a hoot. Tyron Matthews is a nice guy. Patrick Peterson yeah. is a funny character. Oh boy. Yeah, but Darnell Dockett with his uh, tweeting and such is uh, is just <laughs> sublime. Who, though, in all of history would oh. you most like to see? Any NFL team. 
I would go with the the Raiders of the seventies. You know, when you've got uh, you know Madden on the sideline, you know Al Davis up in the booth. You've got you know Lyle Alzado and and you know uh, Dave Casper and Stabler and and that crew. I would love to see what really went on with that group. Imagine that Matuzak. Right. It'd be awesome. I think that I think that that would be an amazing series. Snake Stabler looking like one of the uh, look uh, looking you know, like one of the Bee Gees. Fred Blitnikoff smoking heaters on the sideline. You know, <laughs> stuff like that. That'd be, that'd be awesome. Yeah, just the stickum process. You know? Like how much stickum did it take to to service the entire Raiders? Lester roster? Hayes pants just covered with the stuff. They you must know? have had like a stickum room, stickum pool. <laughs> just jump in, everybody. The um. The 85 Bears jumps out at me, but the, yeah. uh, the more I thought about it as we were talking, the 98 Vikings with Randy's rookie year. Ooh, yeah. That, that, that would have been a pretty fun. Chris Carter job. trying to teach him up a little bit, how to comport himself a little bit. And, and being all twangy and then proceeding to not. The be bear, crazy. your 85 Bears would be fun, and you could also do them a real solid and try and get in their ears and say, hey, if the season's going well, no matter how well it goes, don't make any terrible rap videos because <laughs> it'll be committed to video and then it'll live forever and you'll never be able to live it down. Even if you win a Lombardi, that video could conceivably, if you make one, will haunt you. For you can make the argument the video is the second best thing that they did besides, <laughs> besides winning the Super Bowl. Besides... <laughs> I can't imagine what would go behind in achievement. <laughs> If that's a if that's considered a high watermark, how about the early '90s Cowboys? Early just, '90s oh, Cowboys would be a lot of fun. Just gotta have it R-rated, nay yeah. X-rated. Right. Gotta, I don't know. I don't know exactly what you could show, but it would still be. But it'd be a fun one. Sure, to see. that'd be fun to watch. I wouldn't mind seeing the early '90s Oilers with a couple of episodes dedicated to the relationship between Buddy Ryan and Kevin Gilbride. Oh and just, yeah. Uh, you know, maybe. Oh no, yeah. Well, Jerry some... Glanville with the tickets for Elvis and all that <laughs> right. stuff. Yeah, that that's good enough. But just you know, the fisticuffs between the offensive and defensive coordinators, I think, would be a lot of fun to watch too. I, you know what? I'll go one uh, one a few years earlier. Bump Phillips, Houston Oilers would be. Fun. Those would be fun. Yeah. Those with Dante fun. Pastorini mm -hmm. and Bum with all his uh, his Texas colloquialisms and Big everything. Hats and all that stuff. Giant, he yeah. used to wear cowboy boots <laughs> and a cowboy hat on NFL <laughs> sidelines. <laughs> Where's that now? I, we need some of that back. What about – oh, you know who would be fun? Talk about funny coaches. Bruce Arians is hysterical. The funniest NFL head coach, if you ever – see if you can look him up on the Google kids, is uh, John McKay. John McKay, I was going to say. USC former USC coach, head coach, yeah. Those takes the, the – when the, uh, the Tampa Bay franchise – in 76, leaves USC to mm -hmm. take this gig, goes 0-14. It's considered the worst team in NFL history. I'd like to be in there when they're, when they're, when they're figuring things out. Like, <laughs> are, are, is there a sense? Boy, I yeah, mean, I've seen bad before, but this, this is going to be an apocalypse. They could do a whole show on his, you know, his Monday morning press conference. Yeah. You know, alone the, with the, the classic, uh, how did you feel about, how do you feel about your team's execution? I'd be in favor of it. You know, <laughs> yeah. that whole deal. I, I completely agree with Yeah. That. He wasn't funny for a sports guy. He was just, he was just, just funny. funny. Yeah. yeah. He, he, he's really, uh, his clips are hysterical. So, all right. That's a good list there. Um, I'm trying to make sure we don't list. I, you know what? I'll tell you what. I'm, I like the, the Eagles answer so much. I'd even go so far as to say they'd be one for all of them. Oh, well, I'd put them in the McNabb, top six or seven. Team? No, I mean. Like these well, Eagles. I think these, the these Chip current, this very, you could have a, a You could have a shot of Evan Mathis just looking at Chip Kelly the entire time. <laughs> <laughs>
That'd, that'd be the whole show. I'd, I'd also yeah, and they're and they're seventeen quarterbacks all lined right. up throwing passes. But I like your idea of a maybe a picture in picture box with like Shady McCoy just watching everything yeah. go on somewhere, you know, from his remote location in Buffalo. That that'd be that'd be hilarious. Yeah, it also expo the thing that my favorite thing, and I think that they have now learned from watching previous Hard Knocks, is the way the in fact the Cincinnati Bengals had to have learned because it was the same regime as was still Marvin Lewis. But the first time they were on, they would do that awful thing. You know, say what you want about Jerry Jones, but he would meet with the players as they were getting cut. They would go to Jerry Jones's office. That's, you know, a lot of owners don't do that. And most other teams, it's the head coach and sit down and, you know, look, you're a talented guy, but you're not a fit here. Good luck to you and all that. The Bengals would wake guys up under the cloak of night. <laughs> like it was like the equipment guy would wake them up. It would be dark outside. It was like 5 a.m. They're like, what, what's up? What's up? Uh, coach needs to see you. Bring your, uh, bring your, bring your playbook. Like, what? You're waking me up. I can't even sleep in. You couldn't wait till uh, 839 and then, then cut me. Why do I have to, why do I have to shame me in the, in darkness? Like, <laughs> Go home with like some shacker in the middle. Of the That's time. right. <laughs> Can you be gone before the sun comes up? It's, it'll be better. It'll be for, better for everybody. It'll be better for the guys that we actually want to keep around. Thank you. But then the second time they were on, then they did it a little bit with a little more class there and they, and they would cut them. Um, so, all right, real quick, before we wrap it up, let's get some NBA picks here. Um, what do we think about what really has a chance to be a classic series? I know that uh, the smart guys are saying that it's Golden State in a romp. How say you, Claybon? I say what those smart guys say makes a lot of sense. You, you look top to bottom. They're an extraordinarily deep team. They're very talented. But there's the, but Lebrondo. Like that's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's just always right. there. And, uh, you know, Steph Curry's the MVP. Yeah, fantastic. LeBron's still the best player in the world. And I wonder if Draymond is going to – what's the officiating going to be like? Are they going to have him out there? Is Iguodala going to play as much as LeBron has been posting in this in this postseason? It, it's going to be fun to watch. Uh, I, I see what they're saying, but a, a big part of me feels like this Cavs team is, is it's, has what it takes to, you know, defend Steph and, and move around a little bit. Shump is able to get out there on the wing. I, I – I picked the Cavs. Yeah, I, I, I mean, uh, Kyrie is a big uh, is a big thing, but his presence is uh, just about mandatory if they're going to win four out of seven games. But you know, th- for what it's worth, this Cavaliers team isn't loaded, but it is probably a little bit better than the last Cavaliers team that yes. LeBron took the finals. I mean, that w- w- this Michael Jordan LeBron debate that we've been having around the office of late, and I guess that's been happening all over the place. People love to have that sort of thing when there's a guy who is anywhere close to the all-time greatest in in, in any sport. But the one thing I will say about LeBron is he has, over the course of his career, done more with less than Michael Jordan ever did. I mean, Michael Jordan didn't really ever have to play on a bum team after his first few years. Once Pippen arrives and gets up to speed, they're ne- he never really had to try and do anything like what LeBron's done with some absolutely atrocious rosters. But LeBron in Cleveland, great story, but Steph... And company in Golden State, they haven't won it in 40 years either. Either way, we're we're victors, right? Yeah, as look, fans, this is the best team in my lifetime. And having grown up as a Warriors fan, uh, you know, for years, 
in my you know my my youth and my teenage years, the best thing we had to hold on to as fans was being the team that nobody wanted to play in the first round. You know, there there was <laughs> there was Run TMC. It was great. It was a lot of fun. You know, there was the We Believe team. You know, a few years ago with Baron Davis and those guys, and that was a lot of fun. But this is this is by far this is probably the best team they've had. Uh, maybe since they've been in California. I thought you were just saying this is the best team you've ever seen, period. You're just saying the best team you've ever seen Golden State have? Oh, yeah. Well, obviously. <laughs> well, I mean, look, look, look I mean, you have to understand, though. Damning with faint as a, Warri- as a Warriors fan, like, this is this is the best thing we've had to hold on to. And I, I, I figure, I do think LeBron is good enough to get them a couple of games. I, I think the Warriors win this thing in six, though. Black tie is chomping at the bit. He's got to chime he's in. He's got to get in there. Fast my guy. You know, again, we talk a lot, a lot of Twitter <laughs> show, but I'll, I'll break this down in two ways. So the basketball way is essentially on offense. The That's Cavs, the best way to do it. We're <laughs> well, 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 yeah. The Cavs on offense do not have enough on offense. Their offense is not intricate enough. They're ahead of schedule in terms of, like, he just got there one year in. You're not supposed to be in the finals already. So I give him major props for being ahead of schedule, but their offense is not good enough. It's a lot of ice LeBron, and LeBron's had his most inefficient year so far. I just feel like that offense, with the lack of ball movement, is not going to be do much against the Warriors defense, which is an all-time great defense, by the way. And then on offense, I trust J.R. Smith and Kyrie Irving to hit threes and do all that fun stuff. I don't trust them to be disciplined on defense, to make the right rotations, to not rotate off Steph Curry because there's another open man. Those little things like that, that's what kills – that's what an offense the Warriors, they you know, they feast on. And then last – let's think of it this way. The Spurs in last year's finals, which, again, I picked the Spurs in five, and you called me crazy at the time, is that that team beat a much better Miami team last year, right? This Warriors team is as good, if not better, than that Spurs team. Like that, All the numbers say that. This Cavs team is nowhere near as good as that Heat team. I, I so. hear that, but let me just say this to you, because it it's a hard thing to quantify, except if you look at history, especially in the NBA, t- where teams where there is a process. Very rarely does a team come out of nowhere and run to the title. So who's in coming the out NBA? Of nowhere here? Usually you get to the playoffs, then you you, you get uh, to the conference finals, that you know event you know you build. Yeah, you've got to, you've got two. to lose a couple the times somewhere. Whereas that you know NFL teams, you know they come out of nowhere, they win the Super Bowl, and then they fall back to four and twelve the next year, um, and that happens in every other sport. The the been there before factor. May, you know, I don't know. Maybe they it won't hurt the the Warriors, well, but it usually so, so does. Saying. It usually does. I don't know why. This week they have enough to take down the Rockets with relative ease, and why next week because they're in the finals, it will uh, have more pressure. But it does play out that way. We saw it happen to Shaq Fu against Hakeem. We and there that's, are there are a million examples. You get to the finals the first time. There's there is. A failure rate. That's what we do with the Warriors because of lack of experience. Well, right. a, a problem, experience. a problem experience-wise. If if we go back and look at LeBron's team with Daniel Marshall, <laughs> Zadrunis, Zadrunis <laughs> Eric Snow, those guys those have plenty of experience. Yeah. They weren't very good. <laughs> and so, if we're if we're looking at you know how much experience that you've had and and how that goes into it, the also another thing that matters is. How good of a basketball player that you are! Right, I mean, and, I, yeah, certainly they, more important. And a lot of this Cavs team just got there. You know, J.R. Smith and Timothy Mozgov. That's why they had Sean, schedule. You like they they put this team together during the trade deadline, and somehow they're here. And that's LeBron. Here's that's how, that's but but you you all three have said this uh, I, I'm in some way in the last five minutes. 
you know, it's the LeBron factor. Well, LeBron can steal a couple of games. You know who else can steal a game in the NBA Finals? Kyrie Irving, one, and J.R. Smith, two. J.R. Smith catches fire. He can shoot his team to a victory, period. We've seen him do it a number of times on teams Wait. with different range of talent and everything else. If LeBron, you know, the, the I don't care the how good a team is defensively. LeBron gets into the lane when he wants to get into the lane and can kick it or go at the rim. If Bogut and company are there to protect, then it's a matter of if J.R. Smith and uh, Kyrie and the rest are knocking it down, and those guys have the ability to catch fire. If they do, like the Dallas Mavericks did a few years ago, if they're collectively hot shooting the ball, there's no uh, it's not crazy and, to think and that they the will need win. to, especially in Oakland, because the Warriors have that incredible home court advantage. I mean, when that crowd gets going and when Steph gets hot and Clay starts knocking down shots and that place just starts to explode, um, that's that's how games get away in a hurry. Uh, you know, when all of a sudden Yeah, but you LeBron, know, you know what I'll say one thing I will say, sorry to interrupt you, LeBron is gonna take away Clay. Um, I think they're going to put probably they're going to put probably Shumpert on Clay. That's what I think is going to happen. So who's got I think, Curry? I think, um, they'll go with Kyrie until the fourth quarter. LeBron, that's when he's going to come up. Claybon dropped the mic. That was rude. He must not have been having a good time. <laughs> I, news, bang, I blame Black Tie. Breaking you, Marcus? News. Maybe Adrian Peterson is still tweeting about stuff and all that, all that stuff. But real quick, Curry, I think, is a one-man offense to himself, and then Clay has the record for most points in a in a game. So if you're saying Gerald Smith can go off at a time, so too can Clay. You know. So I mean, I would say one caveat though. I, but I'm but I'm ta- I'm talking about the the so-called once you get past the big two or three, I'm talking about the role oh, guys that well, Kyrie, get down Kyrie there. Kyrie is number two for them, and Gerald Smith is number three. Okay, all right. I'm, I'm yeah. but I'm just saying Clay, you would expect to deliver if he falls off significantly. That's going to injure the the cause of the Warriors. It's yeah, not sure. J.R. Smith is what I mean is he's more of a wild card. You don't there the Cavaliers aren't dependent on J.R. Smith for their scoring, but if he happens to be in good J.R. Smith phase, yep. that can steal a game for them. And in a nutshell, the Cavs have a lot of individual performers who can blow up at any time. I just feel like that is not a consistent, dependable source of offense and then it come finals where you know, you have seven days to prepare for this. I just feel like it's going to be more on game plan and discipline. I think the Warriors by far are the better team in that regard. One caveat, though, I said this last year, LeBron has a chance to be the greatest ever. He has to do things, though, that it makes him the greatest ever, like beating the Spurs last year or beating the Warriors. So it is possible. I just I don't think it's likely at all. That's an interesting thought, that if he beats this oh, team, this 60-some win, that what, 67 win. chip in that argument. It does. Yeah, he beats that Golden State team this year, then it does elevate, obviously. I don't think it elevates him because he still lost to the Spurs last year in five games easily. He still lost to the Mavericks. and we, That's the series he should have won. I mean, the response to that is, do I, do I think LeBron is better than Michael Jordan right now? No, but I uh, the the – Thing I don't. Really, how, Michael Jordan's like fifty six years old. So <laughs> the the other thing is, but I, I do like the conversation of Michael in his prime versus LeBron in his prime, one on one. But uh, that's not uh, basketball, huh? That's not basketball. It's still basketball, it's, just one on one. They yeah. still use the basketball, and yeah, it's ten it's feet not, high, the rim, and all that. <laughs> you know, it's not yeah. five on five. I agree with just, you about that. But and, and that doesn't solve who's the better NBA player. It's exactly. Like, I would like to watch that though. That's why I say. Get rid of this NBA All-Star jive and instead do a one-on-one tournament for the weekend. That would be have great. an and-one tournament, you know, yeah. and have that be. Wouldn't uh, that be fun? That'd be fun. That'd be a lot. That that, that, that would be better. Over. But again, 
Michael Jordan never carried an atrocious roster. But he also five. never faulted like LeBron has in the, in a couple of big spots. All right. I'm just uh, I'm just Last pointing that out. that too. Like LeBron's teams when they usually fail in the playoffs, they fail fairly easily. In a sweep, 5 games, 6 games tops. He's never he's never been to a game 7 that he lost cuz he his teams never like fight that far. So again, it's almost like just the way he plays. He plays based on like he uses the smarts. Can I beat this team? Can I beat this opponent with my teammates with our system? And it almost seems like once he realizes he can't, they just don't do anything. I like guess that Celtics series, that Magic series, that Mav series, they just fall flat. He's keeping himself fresh for next year. That's all. Maybe. So, so you're very excited, MG. This is a they, these are banner days for you. Your Golden State Warriors have gone there. Yeah, I mean, this is you know. Will you, will you visit a game? Uh, I will try. I don't know that, that it's going to be possible. I mean, right now there is just nothing but mania in, in the Bay Area for, for the Warriors right now. Um, I don't know. I just, this, this, uh, I flash back to, to my college years and the Tim Hardaway poster I had on my wall that I wouldn't even take down after he got traded to the Miami Heat. I had it up for months and months after he was gone because I couldn't let it go. So this is, uh, this one, this one goes out to run TMC. Well, like I say, I think unless you are Marcus Grant with a rooting interest previously, I think we're all winners. I, whoever wins the title, it's good. Likeable teams, it seems, on both sides. The Cleveland story is a nice one. So, all right, Marcus Grant, thanks for uh, for joining us here. Here comes David Garrard right now into 66. So we'll uh, we'll let you go. Claybon already showed himself the door. He's a, he's a he's a busy man. I don't appreciate it. I don't know what happened here, Black he's Tie. He's important around here. I just write about fake football. All right, there goes Marcus Grant. What's the uh, the Twitter handle? Marcus G M A R C A S G. Oh yeah, that's right. You got to remember, there's no U. No U. It's two A's. That's yep. what you got to remember. All right, thanks to Marcus Grant. Thanks to Patrick Claybon. Here comes David Garrard. Dave Damashek. All right, exciting times here in Studio 66 as a great quarterback of his era makes his way into the chair here. Here he is, everybody, formerly, primarily of the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's uh, that's who we associate him with. It's David Garrard. What's the poop, fella? Welcome. Thank you. Appreciate you having me on. I like that you continue to support the teams, I mean, like you, you also were the <laughs> Dolphins. People who watched Hard Knocks a few years ago remember you from that. And then, of course, like I say, your your long run there in Jacksonville. I like that you still go with turquoise. Yeah, you know, I'm, we're in Florida, so it's a great color to go is with. Is that the state color? I assume pretty it is. Pretty much. Right? I mean, you get all the water around you, so yeah, yeah. pretty much. <laughs> all right, before we go too far, I am a man of justice, and I don't like to jive my guests, and I don't like them to jive me. I think you owe me an apology for what happened in the playoffs back in aught seven. I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers <laughs> fan, and I didn't care. For, I don't. I, I, I haven't heard anything funny. I don't know what you're <laughs> laughing about. That was very rude how you came yes. in. It was Mike Tomlin's first season as a head coach, and what did you guys do? You came in there and whipped us. I laugh in the face of all the Pittsburgh Steelers fans. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can't what? help but laugh <laughs> yeah. at that. It's my. It's evil. Yeah. I don't know about you, Gerard. You always yeah. seem like such a nice guy, and now you're laughing. Maniac- at me <laughs> it was a great time I mean honestly <laughs> it was my first season as a, 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 a being named the starter and uh, to go on that run that we did with all the guys that we had on that team you know Maurice Jones Drew Fred Taylor mm-hmm. a, a number of guys on that team uh, you know it's just still I was pinching myself the whole season and, and we just continued right into the playoffs we had just played you guys yep a few weeks before in same thing. In same result. It was it was snowing that day, uh, it, and it basically was the same type of game 
we didn't have a uh, a 32-yard run, though, there at the end of that one. So, But in the playoffs. I remember you tucking <laughs> the ball and run it da- running it down there. Yeah, uh, a lot of fun. Man. Not cool. Not cool. I remember watching that. Appreciate um, <laughs> what uh, What do you think now, though, as you look at this Jacksonville Jaguars team? They're suddenly, you know, after you went away, I feel like, what's it been now, five years or so, yeah. where they've sort of reached this frankly, irrelevant kind of stage. They they're, they're this team that is never in contention. They're in you – know, and then those two-tone helmets, right? Yeah. That's not helping anything. <laughs> it, it's, it really doesn't help anything. Uh, I'll tell you a funny story. Uh, Potros, a teammate of mine, a few years after I'm done, I see him at the mall one day, and he says, hey, Dave, what's going on, man? How, how are things, you know? He says, uh, by the way, can I just ask you, can you please take the curse off the team? <laughs> he says, man, we haven't been able to do anything since you left. And I said, man, I promise I didn't put a curse on the team. No. Uh, <laughs> the curse like a rar. <laughs> yeah. Things are definitely changing now. They've, uh, you know, they got a good group of guys in there. They got um, Dave Caldwell, the GM. Gus Bradley, the head coach, they're, they're really putting together some good pieces. They're putting some pieces around Blake Borders, uh, the quarterback now, and they're allowing him to um, to really have some weapons to use out there. You know, that's the thing. When you're playing quarterback, you, first you got to get weapons in front of him as well. But when you're playing quarterback, you need guys to throw the ball to that can, you know, catch it two yards on the field and turn it into 50 yards. You know, so they're doing that. They're trying to shore up defense as much as possible. But they just need wins, you know. Honestly, it's great bringing in names like Julian Thomas, uh, but we need wins. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're, we're, we are dying for wins. Our fans are dying for wins. They don't care how they get them. Just give us some wins. Yeah, it's, you know, but it does seem like, and, you know, a lot of guys that are, uh, you know, football insiders say that the Caldwell-Bradley regime is really quietly one of the one of the smarter uh, duos out there right now. And it does seem like the organization is heading in the right direction, save the two-tone helmets, of course. Yeah. <laughs> but do you like, I mean, the centerpiece of that was the draft of 2014 when they go and get Blake Bortles and really stunned the ri- – I mean, I, I was in Radio City. Yeah. No one saw that one coming. Do you like what you saw out of Bortles? Is he the man for the next 10 years there? Is he ready to roll and be not just – a a an acceptable yeah. quarterback, but be one of these so-called elite. I don't know if you've heard the uh, the superlative elite, uh, but is he in that direction? That's been a hot button uh, word <laughs> here in the last five or six years. Yeah, I think he definitely has the ability. He's still young. He's coming off his rookie season. He has uh you know a number of things he has to work on. He did work on his fundamentals this off season with uh, uh, one of those quarterback gurus. I believe his last name is House. And so he says that he's got a lot of things figured out. He has a good base now that he can use to be able to fall back on. Because last season, you could see halfway through his um, start during the year, his fundamentals were really falling off. You know, Hmm. it's a grind during the season. You have to really work on your fundamentals every week. And they were falling off. And so now I believe he's he's gotten with a guy that can give him something to fall back on to remember that each week uh, during the week, during practices, before and after to work on these certain things so that, you know, his fundamentals don't fall off. So I think he definitely has the ability, uh, but you got to put those pieces around him. You know, all the elite quarterbacks out there, they have those pieces. So you, you can't have a rookie quarterback on the offense working with six other rookie guys on the field. I mean, that's, that's impossible. I, you can't ask a veteran quarterback to have 
six other rookies on offense, hmm. but that's what they were playing with last year. They had seven guys total starting on offense as rookies, you know. So that's that's a, a, a tough hurdle right there in itself. But Blake and those guys have matured more. They've even made this draft class an even better draft class than last year. I'm lucky that Dante Fowler Jr. got hurt on almost yeah, what a, what first a play complete of bummer. I mean, yeah. that's, that's awful, you know. But they did get uh, a bunch of other guys, T.J. Yeldon, Richard Green, you know. So they've got some guys to, to really help out, and, and they're, they're doing a phenomenal job. But it, it's really going to come down to Blake and whether or not mm-hmm. he can take that next step and if he does, then this team is definitely heading in the right direction. Oh, I, I listen. I really like that uh, that offense. The pieces that they've yeah. assembled save the offensive line. That's got some yeah. room there. Yeah. But you throw in Julius Thomas, who was a touchdown maker in Denver. Marquise Lee. Yeah. Mark my words, David Garrard. He's going to blow up in year two. <laughs> Allen Robinson is good. Nice. Yeldon looks yeah. good. I think yeah. he's he's no not much wear and tear on him coming no. out of Bama. But the thing, like you say, is Bortles. The number one thing you probably would say is he's got to cut down on the turnovers. Yeah. Well, listen, in Jacksonville, Florida, there's a guy, David Garrard, who one season, made it a whole season, three <laughs> INTs. That's remarkable. Does anybody, does Bradley or anyone else in the organization say, hey, can you get in his head, just give him a couple tips on how to take care of the ball a little bit? I, I wish somebody would, but you know what? I don't even know how I was doing it. <laughs> I was playing against a lot of defenders that couldn't catch the ball, honestly. <laughs> you know, that was, uh, that was still unbelievable. You know, I, I remember actually two of those interceptions that I did have they were actually just bonehead plays by me trying to hmm. do something that I shouldn't have done. If I would have just uh, stayed smart with the ball, I could have avoided at least two of them. But, you know, you're, you expect to have more. And then, you know, seasons after that, I was definitely, you know, having a, a normal uh, quarterback interception to tor- touchdown ratio. So, um, yeah, it was definitely a, a phenomenal year just all around. Everything, it just seemed like everything just flowed together. It was, hmm. um, you know, we – I played with a, a bunch of guys that, you know, were all bought in and that were just having fun. You know, nobody expected us to do anything, but each week we showed up and we made it happen. Who, what quarterback out there right now, I bet you get this, ask this a ton, and I have one name in my head. Who who reminds you the most of yourself out there? Uh, honestly, I think <laughs> my wife says it all the time. When Russell Wilson is That's playing, right. That was my answer. She's like, Man, he reminds me of you so much, and mm-hmm. and he does a phenomenal job. It just seems like every time the ball leaves his hand, it's going to the right place at the right time, and the guys are making plays for him. He does a great job scrambling with the ball. He doesn't. Yeah, uh, it's that function. I, I always call it functional scrambling. Yeah, that's what you guys. It's not designed runs constantly, no. but when the defense allows it, you'll make them pass. Absolutely, like you did in Heinz Field in January. <laughs> Shame on you. And and a lot of times it's because we're so short that <laughs> yeah. the ball is designed to go to a certain player, and we might not be able to see that guy, so we have to move around. And once we get out of the pocket, now we can see everything because there's nobody in front of us. So he does a great job of that. He does a great job of keeping his eyes down the field and still getting the ball off. He, I, I call him – he scrambles to throw. He's not trying to scramble to, to run down the field uh, mm-hmm. 20, 30 times. He wants to get the ball out of his hands into his receivers and his running backs, to his playmakers. So he does a, a phenomenal job of that. Is Russell it Wilson. 
and I throw a sexy deep ball. I don't know why that has to be squeezed in. Russell Wilson says that. The that black guy behind the glass is in love with him. So I he like throws a, I like a, a sexy, really good deep ball. I, I like a sexy deep ball. And the garage <laughs> point, that's the, that's the counterpoint to guys that say, oh, well, he's not a throwing quarterback. Well, he has to scramble a lot of times, and when he scrambles, it's to throw the ball. That's yep. how they get a lot Well, those people aren't paying attention if they think that <laughs> Russell Wilson's a, running a lot of – he's not obviously running a I lot. I do have a quick question for Mr. Garrard here. In your career, what would you say was, like, the best situation to be in, playing situation in terms of, like, goal and distance? Did you like being in first and sh- first and long, second and short, third and long? That's a and weird w- question. It is. All right, answer. But, yeah. I, but, but like, I like which it. one was the worst, too? Like, which one was like, oh, man, we got a third and 18. I don't, what are we going to yeah, do? Yeah, no, I actually liked third and medium, which is three to five. And then I, I I loved third and extra long. That's ten plus. Really? Yeah, I hated third and long. That's six to nine. That's when you get those crazy funky defenses. That uh, defensive coordinator had a dream and said, "I want to <laughs> just send somebody from the stands and just try to blow this thing up." I mean, but third and and long, third and uh, medium, you're gonna get a lot of man coverage. It's our guys against your guys. It's me throwing the ball into a right spot for my receiver to make a play. I love that. But then I also love third and extra long because defenses think, oh, we've got this. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we can kind of. That's where you break a defense, too. <laughs> when you start converting those, yes, it's, it's yes. rushing. I we had a higher uh, third and extra long uh, conversion rate than we had on any other down and distance. So. I loved it because a lot there's a lot of holes back there, and they think just because we drop eight guys, you know, we've got it covered now, and you really don't. When you only have three guys rushing, that allows me a little bit more time. It also allows me to escape the pocket a little bit, put a little bit more pressure on you, and find those guys open down the field. It's funny, you know, um, when I think about those Jaguars teams, I think of the, the running backs you mentioned, you, of course, and I also think of McCardell and Smith yeah. out there. That was a pretty loaded team, and the defense was rugged. In fact, our pal, like Taylor, this is flattering from, from his side of things. He called you guys Steeler South. That was the around the Steelers locker yeah. room at the time. That's how they regarded you as a, as a rugged bunch, not a, a sunny, you know, no. warm climate kind yeah, of. Yeah, we, we were viewed as a team that could travel, you know. Yeah. We were a lunch pail team. We brought our lunch pail to work, and we, we were blue collar, you know. And so that is the team that Jack Del Rio, when I was playing, had built at the time, we had a very solid defense. We could run the ball, and we had enough pieces on offense to to complete passes to get the ball moving down the field. So, uh, yeah, I, I love that. that. That's that's a that's a good nickname. Why? The, what happened with the Del Rio chopping wood thing? That was uh, the what? Were you there for, I, I, for all I of was it? Definitely. Explain there. it to every people. Uh, don't remember who was? I don't remember the punter's name. It was Chris Hansen. Chris Hansen. <laughs> I should remember that. Yes, that's because uh, the other guy, yeah, the NBC yeah, guy. Uh, you know, it was it was very interesting. When it first started, we all thought, man, this is a great idea. This is great motivation. He put a literal piece of wood in he there, Del Rio a did. a big block of wood in there, and it was like a tree stump, so it stood up. <laughs> and he had an axe that was sitting in on top of it. And his idea was, we're going to keep chopping wood. We don't care how the season goes. Sometimes it gets hard and tough and, you know, it gets long and you get tired and you're exhausted. Just keep chopping wood. Keep chopping wood. And so Sounds like every- a nice metaphor. Yeah, right. so everybody's bought in. We go into the locker room, and there's a big old tree stump with a big old axe in it. And he's like, hey, if you guys want, take a couple swings at it. Just <laughs> chop away. You know, try not to kill yourselves, but just chop away at it. So uh, Chris Hansen's in there. 
when we're all in meetings, you know, because he's a punter. So he's in there by himself, <laughs> chopping away at the wood, and hits the wood wrong. It comes down on his ankle, and he slices right into his foot. Yeesh. And he's out for the season. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and could have died if he, you know, hit an artery in it because he was in there by himself. Yeesh. So, Let's just say the wood stayed, but the axe was. I assume that so the block of wood hasn't gone up to the East Bay in California <laughs> with uh, no. with Jack Del Rio there. He'll no, he behind. will not be having that there. Although I would like to see Seabass taking some uh, <laughs> some hacks with the axe up there in uh, the Raiders uh, silver and black. Um, all right, and now I, I noticed that we're going to get to uh, to our new segment here, the one minute drill. All right, you know because you're a master of doing that. There Again, you go. I. I hate to bring it up again, but that's what you did. You, you Let's know, Steelers, go Steelers were up, you know, in that game, 29-28, and then you ran the two-minute drill to perfection. Before we get to that, though, I noticed that you've done some uh, – some, you're, you, you're a pitch man for, for Zaxby's uh, chicken. That's that's better than uh, that's better. Than I that. I love it. I love it. Their chicken tenders are, and I call myself being healthy by getting the fried chicken tender salad. So hmm. <laughs> that's that's the healthy option for me. That's the right way to go. Yeah. And I but I also noticed you brought a lunch in here with you. Huh? Yeah. Well, I got that from you guys here. You could listen. Yeah. I know. This is a casual environment here <laughs> in '66. You can Very you can have your lunch out if you want to. I appreciate it. Wouldn't it be nice to get a like a meat and che- a cheese tray out here on a regular basis? Not, Black guy. Can we look into that? <laughs> That'd be nice. That would sound good going through the microphone as we're as we're Oh, talking. listen. Dave <laughs> has no regard for <laughs> listeners' ears. That's man. not true. Every uh, in Thanksgiving time every year we do a big pie off here. Oh, and and pe- pe- I don't I think it's gross to listen to people chew their food, yeah. but people love it. People love listening no, to us chew my pies. No, my wife would. She always tells me, "Would you please stop smacking?" I have to <laughs> leave the room sometimes. <laughs> or if the commercial comes on and it's a quiet commercial, I have to stop chewing until the show comes back on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um by the way, the Jets have released Matt Sims. Uh, that was the last team you were with. I know it. And Any Matt, interest for David Garrard? <laughs> Matt's a great quarterback, too. You know, he hasn't got the opportunity to get out there and play as mm. much, but he really has the ability. You know, mm. uh, he's got a lot of his dad in him. Um, he just needs the opportunity to get somewhere where a team is really giving him a chance, you know, because he mentally has it, physically has it. He has a super strong arm. I even have to actually was trying to get him to dial back his arm some because he throws mm. the ball so hard. But um, he's going to land somewhere, and, and at some point in time, somebody's going to give him a chance. Um, and uh, I mentioned hard knocks now. We know it's the Houston Texans. Did you take any benefit from that? With the, I mean, you were with the Dolphins, and you're anointed the starter the one week of the show, and then, uh, you know, some stuff with your shoulder. But, uh, you know, broad strokes. Is that good for a team to have that kind of the cameras around? Because the last five teams have been have improved on the previous season yeah. record. You know, I've actually been on Hard Knocks twice now. They were there in 05, and it was actually NFL Network at that time. And uh, I was on it with the Jaguars. Wow, I forgot Yeah, about so that. a long time ago. And then uh, when I was with Miami, you know, when they were coming, I didn't even think anything about it. I thought, okay, you know, I've been there, done that before. You get used to it after a day or two. You don't even think about them hmm. anymore. Um, I think they give you great exposure because I would see people in New York City with my son because he was on there, and they would say, "Wow, hey, aren't you Justin Gerard?" And they wouldn't even <laughs> notice me, but they noticed him, and he thought, "Wow, Dad, I'm famous now," you know. And so you definitely get a lot of exposure because there are a lot of people that are uh, not just football fans that watch that show, and man, you know, everybody out there watches it, and so. 
you get that ex you get that exposure. You get that exposure for your team as well, you know. So I think it's great. Um, it, they can get a little bit on your nerves because they have you come in for interviews at times when you're heading to go lay down in your <laughs> hotel yeah. bed. But you got to come in for this 20-minute interview. So it, they, it does get in the way a little bit, but most of the time you don't even notice they're there. By the way, the Houston Texans, it's a division that you keep your eye on, are going to win the AFC South this year. Mark my words, David Garrard. Right. Hear me now, I, believe I, me I'm later. Them. I don't believe you, but I'm marking Why, them. you think it's the Colts? Well, I just, I, who has done that much better to take down the uh, Colts? I think the Jags have a chance to be better, but, you know. All right, that's the first hard question. Like I say, David Garrard, you did uh, some magic in the two-minute drill in your playing days. Now it's time for the one-minute drill. Let's get to it. Answer from the heart. Start the clock. First question from the group of quarterbacks taken in the last three drafts. Who will go down as the best of the bunch? Jameis Winston, because he's working with my old coordinator, Dirk Cutter. You got that right. You're right. You're red hot out of the gate. You're starting your own football team, and you can only have one running back. Do you take Fred Taylor or MJD? Oh, great question. I'm going to take Fred Taylor. That's correct. Hey! No disrespect to MJD, None but whatsoever. Fred Taylor. Yeah, could have been an all-timer if he would have stayed a little healthy. All right, I got to keep going. <laughs> Who's got the best collection of quarterbacks, the Eagles or the Jets? The Eagles, definitely. Incorrect. That was a trick uh, question. Oh. It's Ohio State. All three of them. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> so better. The NFL. <laughs> Who should the MVP trophy in the NFL be named after? It has no name. Huh. Anybody in history. Oh, anybody in history. David Garrard. Oh. Hey, David Garrard. <laughs> I like the comedy. You've been a pitch ding, man. Ding, ding. You've been a pitch man for a chicken chain. The best chicken preparation is. Uh. Uh, you buzzed me. I'm, I'm, Thumbs up. I don't care. Oh! I'm finishing my question. <laughs> Best chicken prep. Best chicken prep, Zaxby's. All right. I go. No, that's incorrect. That's a, It's chicken marsala. Uh, I'm going. I like a. Uh, the, I like the, a. That's not chicken marsala. What is that? that? The best David in sports in history. You can go with yourself. I'm going to go with uh, David Beckham. No, that's incorrect. That's not correct. And why is hey, he up there? Yeah. It's David Deacon Dude, Jones. Got to bend it like Deacon that. Jones. No, oh. Beckham. Shame on you, black tie behind the glass. He you and your soccer. Twitter, so nobody knows who that is. <laughs> best David, period. The best David ever. Uh, David versus Goliath. So I'm going to go with David. <laughs> you know what? That's pretty good. Yeah, see? Except I'm going to go with David Letterman. That's my, I, I, you know, I love, okay. maybe I'm feeling nostalgic and everything. But My David before Twitter, too. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. All right, David Garrard, go get him this year. Have a good time talking Jaguars there in Jacksonville. Pleasure to have you here in Studio 66, and hopefully we can do it again sometime. Thank you for having me on. This is awesome. <laughs> David Garrard, everybody. David, oh, so there goes Gerard. Nice fella, huh, Black Tie? Good guy, man. He enjoyed He's still himself. in shape. It's crazy. Yeah. You Did know. you hear how he was talking as he left? He had a delightful time with yeah. us. Fun times. Fun times. Um, I like that you see that question, though. The, the down, is, down and distance question. Good answer. 
I thought that was an a, an absolutely asinine question, and yet he pulled it out. That was pretty good. Yeah, I, I, I mean, like, what to sit, what situations do you like? Do you like first and long? Like, why? What's the answer? Well, it was more so which ones do you feel like, you know what, I'm actually good at these, and which ones do you, like, hate? I, like, listen, oh, man, I thought there short. was nothing. If you would have said to me in advance, hey, here's a good question, I would have said, that's not a good question, but he uh, – he actually seemed to, to like it quite a bit. So kudos to you. And have a good time, uh, Black Tie. You're leaving us. You're not just leaving L.A. You're leaving the nation, the United States of America, and returning to your homeland. Uh, yes, I am going home to Nigeria for the first time in quite a long time. Um, How many years? Uh, t- last time was 2012. Well, before that was – How long is that flight? Oh, 11 hours to London and then six hours from London to Lagos. That's a, pretty much a whole day. It's It's – yeah. I'm not a flying either, not anymore. So, what will you eat? What's your favorite thing? Like, like I can't wait to get the Nigeria, oh, oh, so told, I get to eat. I already like, told my mom. Um, and the car ride from the airport, there has to be. It's called suya, and it's a little like cut meat, cut meat beef p- pieces, like beef jerky, but good, tender beef jerky. Drinking. Mm. It's nice and spicy, you know. Mm. So I already told the moms. Oh, so maybe you bring some back for us. Maybe I would. I already told the moms. You got that's got to be in a car that comes to get me from the airport on the ride home. You and know, what's it called, Sammy Sosa? <laughs> it's called Suya. S- Suya. Yeah, S U Y A. All right, bring some back for yeah. us, and then we'll all uh, delight in it. Uh, Definitely. Who's yeah. filling in for you while you're gone? Uh, you're porn stash. Porn, porn tie. Porn stash. <laughs> porn, he, porn tie is called porn tie because he has a porn stash. I That's why I don't agree with that name. But yeah, Sean Sullivan it will be uh, will be filling in with uh, Brandon McGinnis as well, and uh, it'll be fun times. I'll listen to the show. I'll be in Nigeria and Rome because the wedding Rome. is also in Rome. Yeah, it's what? a two-part wedding in Lagos and then also in. Rome. What do you mean a two-part wedding? There's a wedding in Nigeria on a Saturday, and then four days later, it's in Rome. You're repeating the ceremony? Well, yeah, because it's a Nigerian cultural ceremony, which is, you know, Nigerian attire and all that fun uh-huh. stuff. And then the white wedding dress. Wet, you know, I, didn't, I don't even know what's in the <laughs> I like Nigerian outfits and yeah. everything else, and then we go to Rome for the white version is what I thought. Oh, no, the <laughs> white wedding. The white wedding dress version. The then it's More a white wedding. It's yeah. a white people wedding. Yeah, no, no. not that. Um, and then on my way back, I'm stopping in London for two, three days, my old stumping ground. What well, a fun time. Yeah. I'll be watching NBA Finals. You get to go watching. home for a stretch, be with the family. Then Rome is glorious. You've been to Rome? I've been to Rome in 92. Don't remember much about it. Is that right? I was in there in 19. Summer of 92, I was in Rome. Yeah. Maybe we sat in the same. Maybe we did. Yeah. Summer of 92, I was in Rome. Look at that. Right across fast. Maybe we ate some marinara together and we never knew it. Never knew it. Arabiata. Yeah. Oh, I love Rome. Rome is, I think Rome is, there are other cities that are more romanticized, but Rome is, uh, I think, one of the real treasures of Europe. You know, it's not just going to see the old Colosseum. I don't mean like, I mean, if you're, if you're into those sorts of ancient kind of, uh, you know, seeing the, the great empire, you can do that. But I mean, just from a food standpoint and uh, nightlife and uh, beauty of, of the city in general and everything, it's, it's I feel like it's a little underrated. It's pretty, pretty fun. I'm looking forward to it. I would say I'm watching the finals in three different countries, but like I said, I got the Warriors in five, maybe a sweep. So I think it'll be over, be over before I get to London. So those games will be on in the... They'll be on everywhere. Like, I mean, but at like, like 3 2 a.m. or something. Yeah. How you still back in the day, coming back young Kobe, you know. All right. Go get him, young Kobe. One Have a good day, time, though. Chief. I got one last <laughs> I got one last hot take since I won't be around for a while. Bill Simmons. He's been, you know, radio silent ever since, you know, ESPN contract. It's is not true. He's been on a little bit, but yeah. Very little. 
very, very he's little. tweeted and Facebooked a little bit, but yeah, very little. I would say he's a, he's. I mean, he got into this game. He's known for being a a fan of the game, right? That's he's the most popular sports fan. Like he got into the game for that. Like go back to doing that. Even right now, if you're just tweeting, tweeting, like fun playoffs are going on right now, and he's nowhere to be found. Obviously, because of his contract situation. I just forget the record label. It's kind of like rappers or the major record labels. Forget them. Take it back to the streets. Take it back to the mixtapes. And just put out tweets, at least. Be part of the conversation. All right. Well, we'll uh, yeah, I'm sure he's listening right you now. Know? He'll probably take Don't that plan. advice. All right. Travel safe, Black Tie. Have a great time out there. We'll uh, try to make do without you. And uh, we will be back at some point next week. Probably Tuesday is when I would uh, be on the lookout. But we are in summertime, after all. And our man Chiefy there is going to be out of the country. So we'll see how, uh, how we put things together in the next uh, two, three weeks. But in the meantime, thanks so much, football fans. It's been a thin slice. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count.